So excited to be back on Enjoying the Journey. I have gotten to know our, our guest over the last year or so. Super excited to have Lydia Miller with us. She uh, can tell you more about herself, but I got to know her through a church called Sunnybrook and have really enjoyed uh, just getting to know her, partnering with them a little bit through our festival and, and different things like that. So Lydia, welcome to Enjoying the Journey. So good to have you this morning. Thank you so much for having me. If I um, don't know you, um, I'm Lydia Miller. I work at uh, Sunnybrook Community Church. I'm actually the creative director here, which means um, it's kind of my job at the end of the day to put together the Sunday services from the songs we sing to the creative elements we have and uh, work with the senior pastor here, Jeff, who's actually my dad, um, and get to work with him on, yeah, what he's going to talk about and how that all kind of fits into the whole uh, story. I think I've been here for six years now, surprisingly. Wow. So, so, so obviously it's been a journey to get there. I'm sure. Uh, yeah. as you mentioned, if our listeners didn't hear it, you actually work with a senior pastor who happens to be your, your dad, which obviously yeah. can add some elements to being the creative director. And if, if people have never watched Sunnybrook on a Sunday morning, Wow. I mean, when, when you say you're in charge of kind of all of those elements, if you're not around it, doing it day in, day out, I'm not sure people understand how much goes into that because it is yeah. a lot, you know, from picking songs to lighting to the graphics that you have going. Wow. And, and I just want to say great job because I think it's phenomenal. I think you guys do a phenomenal job. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah team of people. Yes. So getting to Sunnybrook, what, what, obviously your dad's been a pastor for a while. What, what's yeah. your personal faith journey been like? Yeah. Um, so it was ministry was never something I had any intention of going into. I think it's a common question when you grow up as a pastor's kid, you know, which one of you is going to go into ministry? Typically that question was directed to my brother's uh, uh -huh. not my sister or I, they just kind of assume the boys would be the one that would maybe go on to carry the legacy, but I, I really had no interest. I loved the church, um, loved growing up in the church was always obviously a huge part of us and our family. Um, but one thing I feel like my parents did incredibly well is I have always loved the church. Um, I, and I know that my siblings feel the same way. Um, I think sometimes pastors kids struggle with the church because there's this part of the church that pulls your parent away from you. And if, you know, dad isn't around and he's busy, it's because he's at church, he's pulled into things. Um, but my parents very early on um, set, I think, some really good boundaries with that. And I never felt any sort of competition with the church or that my dad was being pulled places when I wanted him at certain things. There was always this healthy ba uh, boundary. Um, so grew up in the church, loving the church. My siblings are all the same way. Um, but always really wanted to go into teaching. And so I did that. I went into uh, teaching. I taught middle school, love middle schoolers. It's a rare spiritual gift. I feel like to love middle schoolers, but I loved them. Yes. Uh, and I um, just kind of had this steady faith my whole life. I remember kneeling by my bedside with my sister, with my parents to accept Jesus when I was in elementary school. Wow. And it's always been um, just a pillar and a rock for me, uh, really my whole life. I've obviously had seasons of in and out of it. Um, more committed, less committed, um, but have always had kind of this steadfast love for Jesus and who he is and have seen that exemplified in my parents my whole life as well. So I think that 
um, really aided that. So yeah, I went into teaching uh, for about four years and then I started my counseling degree. I wanted to become a school counselor. I really was in teaching for um, the relationship with students and saw just a need, especially for today's youth of people pouring into them and guiding them and um, just felt a passion for that. So I started my counseling degree um, and the more I got into it, the more I realized, wait, I can't actually talk about the thing that I want to talk about. The solution that I feel like for all of this, I can't talk about in public school. Um, and so I remember reaching out to my dad. I was maybe a year or two into my counseling degree and I reached out to my dad and I said, hey, I think I maybe want to, I want to maybe go into ministry. What do you think? And I'll never forget. He was like, no, mm -mm, don't, don't just, and I, I know I've talked about it since then, um, was more out of a protection from him. Obviously ministry is hard. Um, and there's a lot to it. And so, um, I think that was a piece of it. And then, um, the other piece was, he was like, you will not, we, you will not work at Sunnybrook. <laughs> Um, I think just recognizing that that could go horribly wrong. I don't think I ever really thought about it. Um, now that I'm here, I recognize that I, I could have been terrible and how awkward would that have been? Um, so he said no mm. multiple times. Um, and then I eventually reached out to Kevin Negard. I decided, well, I'll just go around you then. <laughs> so I reached out <laughs> to Kevin Negard and I said, Kevin, I really think I want to go into ministry. And so then I think it was maybe the next couple days, Kevin and Laurie Van Kira, they're on the exec team with my dad. It's the three of them. Um, so they came down to Omaha without him. Um, and they did a little interview with me there and we talked about options and what that would look like. And after that meeting, I called my dad and I said, well, I'm coming to Sunnybrook anyway. And oh. I came on, <laughs> I came on as a student ministry assistant of all things. Um, okay. Yeah. And started that way. And, and, and listeners may or may not know this, but when we talk about Sunnybrook, this is also the church you grew up in. Yeah. 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 So I, I think that adds a whole new dynamic to, and I love how, how you're sharing this ministry thing, right? For some listeners, they may or may not know that I'm a PK as well. I did not have the same experience you did. I definitely did not want to go into ministry, but it, was far more because of my relationship with God than it was anything else. Him and I have had a wrestling match similar to, to others in the Bible growing up. And, and so the thought of ministry was, mm, no, not going to happen. And then the idea of actually serving a church was nowhere near that. And I love how you brought up, you've got two brothers, right? And, mm -hmm. and a sister, is that yes, right? Mm -hmm. And so here you are. Oh, the boys will take over the legacy or, or, or go into it. And so I'm not in a church, but Rise has been a part of my life now for 21 years. And it's interesting because our kids, my wife and I's kids are getting older. They're not, you know, Jager's our oldest. He's 19. But then we've got a, a daughter that's uh, 16 and a daughter that's 14. And the conversation has begun. Well, who's going to go? I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. I'm like, no, that's. Thank you. I'm so glad what dad has dedicated his life to for the last 20 years is not what you want to be a part of. And, and I do find it interesting that I want I right now Jager's in with us at 19. Mm -hmm. He has become our church and partner relations staff member. Mm -hmm. uh, the girls are like hands off. No way. Yeah. But there's part of me that thinks, I wonder if I have a Lydia 
in my mm-hmm. in my family. You know, the one that's like, nope, nope, boys are yeah. and and so I find great encouragement with that. And and uh I love this idea that you are serving where you grew up. What is that mm-hmm. like to actually go back to the church that you grew up in and 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 become a part of the of the team? What, what's that dynamic like? Yeah. Uh in a word, it is such, it's such a blessing. This church holds such a special place in my heart. We, um, I mean, really when we came here, we came kicking and screaming. The the kids did at least. Okay. We moved here when I was in, um, from Chicago. We moved when I was in eighth grade, which is just a tough year Yeah. to move. My sister was a sophomore in high school. So it just was painful. We didn't want to leave where we were. Um, I remember thinking, you know, we grew up in a suburb of Chicago. I remember thinking, do people actually live in Iowa? I mean, where, where even is Iowa? And it was, you know, that old, woe is me, the world is ending. Um, And so I really just did not want to be here to start. Um, We always talk as a family, because a lot of my siblings have moved back here and have come back here of just, just the full circle of it, that Mm -hmm. this is a place that's so special to all of us now. Um, but, and you know this, but Sunnybrook is such a, it's such a special place with such special people. There's so many people that, um, even that I'm working with now, Bonnie Van Holland was the first one to take us out for ice cream when we first got off the plane in Sioux City to look for a house here. And I get to work with her every single day now. So the opportunity to get to work alongside people who have invested in me, have um, prayed for our family and cared for our family and um, I've always known that Sunnybrook is a really special place. Um, I think I experienced just how special it is even more as I went to college and tried to find a church there, moved to Des Moines, tried to find a church there, Omaha, tried to find a church there. Um, there was something that always drew me back to Sunnybrook. And I think it's just the people here, the heart of the people here, the heartbeat of this church um, has always been something that I have greatly cherished. Mm. That's awesome. So not only able to grow up with it, but now to become part of the leadership team and, and help others encounter that special part in their lives the, the way you've experienced it. That's that's so cool because to have something that that means so much to you as you're sharing it, I think of businesses. I know it's a weird correlation, but I think of, you know, my dream has always been, oh, if I could have worked alongside my dad. I, I grew up as a farm kid. Well, okay, till I was nine. And then he became a pastor. And I still tell him that was the dumbest mistake he ever made. But, um, <laughs> land's worth a whole lot more today than it, you, you know, it was back then. But uh, I always dreamed of that, that moment of being able to, to, to serve uh, with my, my dad or whatever. And, and as you're speaking about this church being so impactful in your life, you now get to work alongside your your dad, and and I think of businesses, right? They grow up in it. Maybe maybe it's uh, uh, an implement dealer or a car dealer where where you start as the wash guy, and and you're like, now I'm out of here, man. I'm moving to the city. I want to create my own path. I want to, and and yet when you get around individuals that have gone back into the family business, and they talk about how special it is to them. I'm always inspired and, and intrigued by it. So to hear it from you so often, I think people are like, I can't wait to get out of the church I grew up in. I can't, I, I can't wait to go to Omaha or Des Moines or Minneapolis or, or wherever, but God 
said to you, no, this is the special place for you. And now you get to come back and invest in so many others. And the work that you're doing, even through the creative side, by allowing it to go online and on TV, the impact is unbelievable. I don't know if you know the numbers or not, but it's huge. The, the it is. It, it blows our minds. I mean, we really, the whole KTIV TV thing was simply an act of COVID. I mean, we were trying to figure out how do we, how do we get people in worship with us again? How do we continue this church community? And um, yeah, Kevin kind of came up with the idea of what would it look like if we broadcast our services on TV when we can't have in-person services? What could that look like? And it became this and what a cool opportunity from God. Well, yeah. And, and I'm just, I, I know our listeners can't see it. I'm just smiling because I, I think of what a beautiful thing. Here's, here's a gal that grew up in a church. It meant so much to her that she wanted to come back. God has inspired and poured into, filled you with the Holy Spirit. And now you're putting that out there to so many more people that it's a, it's a, it's, it's a great story versus I grew up in a church. I walked away. You know, God and I are on 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 the outs right now. And I just think it, it brings hope, hopefully to our listeners. But to be honest, it brings hope to myself who's in ministry in a, in a different fashion that who knows, maybe someday what my kids have experienced will be special enough to them that they'll want to carry it on. Yeah. And yeah. I think and just that idea of oh, I could maybe work with them right now. <laughs> you know, I don't know that he would have wanted 19 year old Lydia to work with him either. So that's okay. Right. Give him a little time to mature. It'll go better. We'll, we'll let him, we'll let him mature. The other part about being a PK and serving in the church. And because we call this enjoying the journey, obviously we have good times. We have more challenging times. Uh, we brought up KTIV for those that are in the listening area. You can watch Sunnybrook on Sunday mornings. And so recently uh, and we haven't even gone down this road yet, but you get to teach or I, I don't know if you call it teaching, preaching, uh, what terminology you guys use. And, and you get to do that often or and you had a message recently that really caught my attention as being a PK that everything in the church isn't always great. And it doesn't always edify and, and build us up, especially when we have a loved one working in it. Can you mm -hmm. share with us? just a little bit about in context, what, what that message was, this folder as you read things and, and just what that was like to walk through that. Yeah. Um, I, I do think it's interesting if you, if you talk to people, you know, that aren't going to church right now, typically it's not that they don't believe in God and have never, we often refer to them as de-churched. They've been de-churched. They've had some sort of ex negative experience with the church. And so they've left the church. Mm. Um, and gosh, I think pastors, kids and families that grow up in the church, even just serving in ministries and all of that um, are most susceptible to that because they they really get to see um, kind of the gross side of church sometimes um, and people and humans and sin. And I mean, we're all uh, guilty of it. And that was a huge part of when we first uh, moved here. I don't know if my dad talked about this at all, but the church was transitioning from going from a more traditional church. Um, to a more seeker-friendly church and a church that um, really adapted the way that they did things that cared uh, less about what people who already had a faith were looking for on a Sunday morning and started to transition their services and their 
mission and vision to be more focused on people that were not yet saved and didn't yet know Jesus. Um, And that was, I always heard um, that it was a really difficult transition, but man, I did not realize how sheltered I was from that until I came back and started uh, working at the church and more has been kind of revealed uh, to us. But my parents really did a good job of not letting in on it. I mean, we already didn't want to be here. So knowing that a lot of people also didn't want us to be here um, was hard. I I think back to that time and I uh, truly, I don't know how my parents made it through because it was a move here. And then it um, just immediately became about, um, they didn't want the church to change. They wanted the church to stay the same. They wanted it to be what they were used to, what they were comfortable with. Um, And as things started to change, obviously there has to be someone that your fingers are pointed at. And they, I, I think a lot of times were pointed at my dad. And, um, I, I said this in my message, but I was speaking that Sunday on grace and truth and in the times that the church gets it wrong. Um, and I asked my siblings, we all have countless stories, my siblings and I of times when church people have gotten it wrong. Um, it's amazing how many people will go into the pastor's office and let him know when they think his kids are getting it wrong. Um, we have that a lot. Growing up. Um, but he said, Hey, I've got a folder in my office. If you need some inspiration of all the letters, the nasty letters I've gotten, uh, over the years. And I thought, well, first I thought to myself, what was wrong with you that you share all the nasty letters? Those should go in a shredder immediately. I don't know yep. what the psychology of keeping those letters is. Um, but I went to his office and I started to go through them. Um, and I sent pictures. We have this family message going all the time. I sent pictures to the family message and we were laughing, but also finding myself just sad for what I saw within them of um, questioning his faith, questioning his motives, questioning um, all sorts of things about who he is and and what the church is and what that means. And um, yeah, it was an interesting kind of trip down memory lane, but memories that I guess I didn't even really know existed. So as, as you're reading those, you're in the church now, you've been serving for almost six years. Um, You're part of the teaching team. You're, you're giving a message on grace and truth. Mm -hmm. What's going through your mind or your heart as, as you think about how wonderful this place has been to you yet at the same time, years later, you actually see how hard Mm -hmm. it was to to Mm -hmm. get where you're at. Yeah. Uh, um, Anger and frustration. And I think the reality is it's still, it's still happening. I mean, there are still moments where I want to take a step back and just be like, man, this is not what Jesus intended. This is not what he wants for us. And I think it's one of the things that grieves me for my own generation a little bit is there's such, there seems to be this growing distrust with the church and this growing distrust of, um, I I don't know to put it in category, organized religion in general, in that it's a place of judgment, it's a place of rules, it's a place of, um, uh, hatred or, uh, not allowing people to live into who they are. And it's a place of where people can't be free and, all of these different things I'm watching. I feel like in this new generation, this narrative be written about the church, about people who love Jesus. And um, I actually said this to one of my friends who is an unbeliever the other day um, of just that was so not Jesus. And I just get so frustrated in the contrast of what people have written in their own minds of what Christians are and what we believe 
versus the reality of who Jesus was. I mean, he was radical when he came on the scene. Um, and he hung with sinners and he loved sinners. And that was where he, I mean, I would argue the most comfortable in scripture was sitting among them and teaching them and loving them with perfect amounts of grace and truth. Um, and I've, I just so deeply want people to see that and understand that. And I, I, I get sad when I see people leave the church because of human, humanness, human sin, human hurt. Um, because I look at my dad mm-hmm. who has experienced more church hurt than any person I would argue at this church has. And, and it still has this deep faith and this deep love for Jesus because he knows that those that's humans. It's not, it's not Jesus. It's not who he was. Um, and I, yeah, I think that's one of the things that has just been most impressed in my heart and spirit lately is just looking at this next generation, my generation, the generation behind me of how do we get them to see Jesus for who he was and how do we change the narrative um, that for whatever reason the church has received? Yeah, I like where you're going with this because I hear it all the time um, from my own kids, yeah, especially mm-hmm. my daughters. You're judging me. No, I'm parenting you. There is a difference. Mm-hmm. I don't want you yes. walking out with your belly button hanging out and your pants pulled up too high or your shorts <laughs> too short. That is not a judgment. That is a parenting mm-hmm. move as a dad. Yes. And yeah. Yeah. This word judgment gets thrown around a lot, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I love how you brought up that Jesus sat with the sinners. Always mm-hmm. those that the rest of culture looked at is on the outs or whoa, 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 look at she's in adultery and then he's a tax collector and, and et cetera, et cetera. I, I mean, these are, yeah, the, the religious leaders would be like, Mm-mm, nope, can't, can't go there. Yeah. And in a way, do you feel like we have, we have taken this word judgment? I don't know if out of context is the right, right way to ask it, but where does it come in that Jesus, yes, he did sit with them. He loved them, but you also said he taught them. And so mm-hmm. when my girls say to me, you're just, no, really, hon, I'm not, I'm not trying to judge you. I'm trying to yeah. tell you that uh, maybe there's a better decision to make. Yeah. Versus the one. Yeah. And I, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the disconnect comes with, behind the motive of the rule or the motive of the change and in understanding that the rules that we get from Jesus or the way to live that we get from Jesus or from scripture and all that is all from love. It's all from, I want you to live in the best way. I want you to have the best life you possibly can. Right. In order for that to happen, in order to live a life without regret, in order to live a life where you are living fully into who you can be through me and what that looks like it then requires you to change this behavior, to change this behavior, to change this behavior. And we've drifted even further. I even see it in parenting styles now. I'm sure you do too of, you know, just, you know, live, live however you want, live whatever way is best for you, live your truth, do what you want. But recognizing I can speak from a teacher's perspective, that don't work. That that doesn't raise people who um, are living into the, the best version of themselves that they can be. And I think, um, I think we've confused that a little bit in that 
rules come from love. Discipline comes from love. It doesn't come from a place of judgment. It comes from a fierce love for um, what's best. I think that's a wonderful way to put it. And, and it gets me thinking, if somebody's listening right now, and you use the word uh, de-churched de or... Uh, yeah, de-churched. Yeah, de-churched, mm -hmm. meaning mm -hmm. you've maybe grown up in it. Uh, you've encountered the Holy Spirit. You've encountered Jesus, but something happened, whether in the church or somebody said a comment to you. If, if somebody is in that boat right now, what would you say to them or what could you say to them to be like, no, don't, don't throw the whole church out. Don't, don't, don't run away from you. Jesus yeah. loves you. What, what, what would you say to them right now? Yep. I would say first and foremost, if you're, if you're in a place of such extreme hurt that you can't, can't stomach church right now, at least stomach Jesus, mm. um, and remind yourself of exactly who he was and exactly what it was that he taught. Uh, humans will always be humans. We will always fall short. We will always fail. The church will always not live up to your expectations. It's just reality of the broken world that we live in. We're all just humans that are doing our best on the journey. Um, and so I would encourage you start with Jesus, start with scripture, remind yourself, remind your heart of who he was, what his heart was, what his heart is for you. Um, and then I would even remind yourself of the grace that's been extended to you. I think sometimes it's easy for us to judge other people by their actions, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. Well, I didn't intend that. So that doesn't really count against me, but we judge other people by their actions, not maybe what their intention was behind it. Um, so I would maybe remind yourself that every day your mercies are new and every day Jesus is forgiving you of something that, um, you have done in some way that you have grieved him and sinned against him. And I would remind yourself just how much Jesus loves the church. I mean, Jesus loves that. This was Jesus plan that, that this is how he would reach people. He, the church is his bride. Um, and so you may have hurt from the church, but that a is not from Jesus and B the church is Jesus venue Avenue for, um, reaching lost people. So, I mean, I would encourage you to just start there at the basics um, and then find your way back into a church community. And maybe it's not the same one. I mean, there are so many good Bible believing churches in our area, at least that all do different things really well. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you have to find a church that you feel like, um, lines up with what maybe you need in this season, what you need in life, what's best for your family. Um, and I would continue, I mean, the Bible is so clear that we need community. So I would surround yourself with community as quickly as possible. That was an awesome answer. That was a fantastic <laughs> answer. And I love how you started with the, uh, if you can't stomach the church right now, stomach Jesus. Because that's a great place to start. Because as you look to him, as you look to scripture, like you said, he, he will lead you back to the church because this is this his bride. And, and that's how he set mm -hmm. it up. And, mm -hmm. and so, yeah, yeah. I, that, was, that was a great way to answer that question. That was fantastic. Uh, a follow-up question right now is just, being in the church, loving where you're at, going back to where God brought you to, to seeing the generation uh, be a little skeptical uh, about mm. the church. What is God teaching you right now? Hmm. That's a good one. 
I really think, I mean, in this season and it's a unique season for me, I just started seminary not that long ago. Um, and I've really been thrown into, um, God, Jesus, scripture, all of that from a work and, um, scholarly perspective. And I'm, I'm being reminded just how important it is. I'm sure you know this from ministry. I think you think when you go into ministry and when you're in the church world that your relationship with God will be easier, your faith will be easier. You're in the opposite. And the more you look at it from a work perspective or a school perspective or all of that, it's so easy to fall out of the relationship side of it. Um, And I think in this season, I've been trying uh, I think I fell out a little bit in trying to be more intentional about my ministry. My work here has to overflow from a first love relationship that I have with Jesus. I have to be so excited about the love that I have for Jesus and who he is and what that means for me personally, that the work I'm doing simply flows out of that flows out of not what I know or what I want to accomplish or what I think our goals are. It has to start um, with how much I love Jesus. And so I think in that season that it, I've just been reminded from God of love me first yeah. and then do the work that I have for you. Oh, that's great too. And uh, as we wrap things up today, one question we always like to ask each of our guests is we call this thing, this thing called life a journey. If you could have anyone past, present on this journey with you, who would it be? Hmm. I thought about this a lot um, because no one readily came to mind. Um, And so I'm giving you an answer. That's not really an answer. Um, I I just am so, I might get emotional talking about, I'm so thankful um, for my dad. I I just, I know that the love I have for Jesus is because he showed me so well what that love looked like in a father Um, I think it's why I've been able to have such a steadfast trust in Jesus my whole life and why I'm so passionate for other people to experience it because I saw it. Um, I saw him up at 5am in his chair reading his Bible and the same guy I've seen on stage 30 years of my life is the same guy I've seen behind the scenes. Um, And so to be able to, we've always been close. We just kind of get each other. And so to be able to walk in ministry alongside of him is truly the greatest gift that God has given me. It's been one of the greatest blessings of my life to be able to do this with him. So it's, I get to do the journey with him. That's not somebody I would add, but I would just somebody I would mark as really special. That is awesome. That is, I love the passion. I love the, the, the father-daughter relationship. I love watching God use both of you uh, through your individual ministries, yet co- collective ministries through Sunnybrook. And I just, I just absolutely love it. And, and I'm so glad that you get to do it with him. Mm-hmm. That's special. That is really, really, I think, special. And what a, what a beautiful thing. As, as we wrap up today, is there anything else you, you want to leave uh, with our listeners, any nuggets or takeaways? Oh, that's a good one. I, I, I thought about that a little bit too. And I remember um, first starting out here and working at church in life as a Christian in general, being overwhelmed with what that needed to mean for me, what my life needed to look like, how I needed to change, how I needed to be different. How do I be the speaking of light? And I think sometimes we put a lot of pressure on ourselves 
to figure it all out. And I remember my dad saying to me one time, just be a little bit more like Jesus today than you were yesterday. Um, and I just think that's a good, it's just a good mindset to wake up every single day with. You don't have to figure it all out. You don't have to have it all correct. We just talked about people in the Bible didn't have it all correct, but you can wake up every day with a heart that says, God, just help me be a little bit more like Jesus today. Um, than I was yesterday and a year from now and a couple of years from now, um, you'll look a lot different. So. Wow. Lydia, you have just given us so much today. Me personally as well. Just, whew, that was, that was really good. It's something I need mm-hmm. to be reminded of, uh, both wake up and be a little bit more like Jesus every day. But the other part is when you're doing ministry, remember that it's out of the outflow not just the work, not just the goals, not just, I needed to be reminded of that. uh, Because those of us that call this full-time work or whatever, uh, some, if if you're not in it day in and day out, it's hard to explain to to other people uh, how easy it is to get focused on just doing rather than being and receiving so that then you can allow that to flow out. I thank you so much for our time today. I mean, wow, it, it was it was awesome. And I appreciate you. I appreciate uh, what you've given our listeners. And, and I just pray they're blessed because I was. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in to the Enjoying the Journey podcast brought to you by Rise Ministries. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and to follow Rise Ministries on any of our social media channels. Thanks for listening.